to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman. And it's episode 71 here on the Boilerball Podcast. And today we welcome in a proud member of the Purdue Basketball family, second generation uh, Purdue Basketball family member, Drew Anthrop, joins us here on the podcast. Drew, thanks, uh, first of all, thanks for taking time to join us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's good to hear from you guys. Well, I got to tell you, so about couple times a year I'll sit there and write out a bunch of names of people that we have interest in having on the podcast and uh, your name's been on that list for I gotta uh, completely honest with you it's been on that list from the beginning and then uh, given the recent events of the last NBA season it moved up to the top of that list really quick so um, Lucky number seventy-one. All right, let's do it. There you go. So uh, I uh, I can't wait to get into all that stuff. Um, but like we we typically do in these podcasts, I kind of want to start uh, more at the beginning. Um, and I kind of referenced it in the in the intro. But uh, your dad um, played for us and uh, was a member of uh, the basketball family here in the late seventies. Um, so I gotta imagine that from an early age. Uh, Purdue and specifically probably Purdue basketball was just kind of uh, always around in the in the Anthrop household. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I grew up wearing Purdue gear and sweatshirts, and my dad would uh, you know park cars for uh, Purdue football games so we could get a free ticket, and you know I'd go with him to quote unquote help because there'd be orange juice and donuts, and my mom would never let us have donuts, so. I'd, <laughs> I'd go help eat some donuts, sit in the car and wait for, wait for time to go in. Um, you know, it's, it's always just being down the road. It was always such a, a cool event, uh, to grow up with. And, you know, he, my, both my parents went to Purdue and it's always been, a you know, a, a big staple in our family. Do you have an early recollection of, you know, maybe a, a first memory or an early memory that stands out? you know, maybe more than others in terms of either a football or basketball game? Uh, I remember going to the games a lot and uh, especially football games early. But my first basketball memory was back in the day when they did the alumni games uh, going down there. And I think I could probably find an old photo of me and my older brother, Jade. I think Daniel's in it too. Maybe it was, maybe it was just the two of us, but uh, my dad like kneeling down at half court, uh, take a photo and, that, that was probably my beginnings of, of Purdue basketball influence. Um, but, you know, having it right there and being able to go over, like when you grow up with it, you don't realize how special it is until you move away. Let me ask you this with now, obviously no secret to Purdue fans, but also if you, um, for those uh, Purdue fans listening that are in the Lafayette area, um, you know, you can't pick up a sports section within the last, I don't know, 15 years and not see Anthrop, uh, the Anthrop name <laughs> <laughs> somewhere uh, on the uh, Lafayette Journal Career Sports section. Um, yeah, but go, talk us through uh, your, yeah, talk us through your family. You're the, so you're the second oldest? That's correct. So I have uh, an older brother named Jade, and he played basketball and baseball at St. Joseph's College. Uh, in Rensselaer, just up the road, you know, 35 minutes or so. And then there was me, and then I have a younger brother, Daniel, who uh, played football at Purdue, and then Jackson, who's currently a uh, senior on the football team right now. 
but yeah, we've been we've been lucky. We've been blessed to to not only um, you know be a big sports family and cheer for each other and pull for each other, but uh, you know have a little bit of success along the way too. So uh, you know, there's just been just been really lucky and fortunate, and um, you know that's a testament to our parents and the way that they instilled a, a love of a love of sports and and hard work into what you do and. On top of that, they're you know they're all team sports. You know, I was I'm the only one in my family that played any played a little bit of tennis, and I never made it out of sectionals. So, you know, our, our all of our success came with team sports. So that helps. Uh, you know, that means you got some good coaches and teammates around you too. Well, Rob, I'd like be interested to know. You you mentioned that Jade obviously went to St. Joe and and played played sports. Was was it Purdue all the way for you, Drew? Was there was there ever even a thought of attending a school not named Purdue or how'd that, how'd that all shake out for you? Uh, for me, you know, I played, you know, tennis, basketball, and baseball at a, a small school down the street uh, at Central Catholic. And I, doing all those different sports, um, you know, baseball season always ran into the AAU season. And it was really difficult to get on a team, let alone be on a decent team that you can get some play time with. And so I, I never really played AU basketball all through high school, which is, as you guys well know, is a major recruiting tool to get your name out there. And um, so for me, I had a few smaller schools uh, with some offers, Indiana Wesleyan, Hillsdale College in Michigan. And, um, you know, those were, the, those were the things I was looking at and considering seriously. And I was just lucky and fortunate that uh, uh, on, you know, my senior year of high school, we had some of the, you know, Purdue commits on the schedule uh, with DJ and, and Kelsey Barlow and uh, Patrick Beatty. And uh, those games I was able to play well and we got some wins and um, it just kind of helped it, that those games in particular helped me, um, you know, make a case for a, a potential walk on spot. And then having my dad, having some ties at Purdue and then coach Barrett, you know, being a teammate of coach Payne, it just, things kind of fell into place for me. Yeah, I, re- I remember, uh, I remember uh, vaguely. I don't really necessarily remember the like coach talking about adding a walk on and how that came to fruition. But I do remember that once you were in the mix, I do remember a coach saying that, um, you know, this is a guy that can help us. You know, all walk ons help. I mean, there's the stuff that they help with normally happens behind the scenes. You know, it's game prep, it's it's pushing guys in practice, it's making practice competitive. Um, but when he makes one of those statements, like, he can help us, it means like he's, you know, tangibly on the court in, in real games, you know, kind of help. And uh, I know he said yeah. that about you. And I know even at times he would reference some of your high school games um, that you had and some of the success you had in those games. And, you know, you, re- you mentioned uh, Lafayette Central Catholic that if, if, if anybody's ever stumped on a trivia question that involves Lafayette high school record scoring, any sport, if you throw out the last name Anthrop, you might cover your bases and get that question, right. Get that question, right. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about there being an Anthrop in the sports section. Like I just, I remember talking, and I used to talk to Cliz about it too. I'm like, man, there's another Anthrop over there. He's like, yeah, still scoring touchdowns. That's what they all do. You know, <laughs> Um, yeah, but did ba- really lucky, you know, and, uh, you know, Cliz's son played baseball at, at CC yeah. and he still, he still has the single season record of home runs. I believe it, it might've been broken recently. 
I haven't been able, you know, my online JNC subscription, you know, I can't, I try and keep up the best I can, but we have a pretty busy <laughs> season too. But I believe he had nine home runs in a season and I was upset because I think I had seven one year and I couldn't quite catch him. But I, I remember talking to Cliz about that before. Um, but yeah, so with uh, being a walk-on with, you know, for Coach Paint, it was uh, one thing I'll never forget is how honest he was with me in my very first visit coming to watch a practice. And he was super cool. You know, he'd run a drill. He's, he's got that thing running like a machine. And so he would make his statement, start the drill. The, you know, the guards and the bigs would split up and he'd come over and talk to me. And I believe I was there with my dad and we we're just sitting there watching practice. And, you know, one of the things he told me was, you know, you're used to playing. You know, you're playing a lot right now uh, on your team. You're scoring the ball. You're doing all these things. But, you know, could you come here and be a good teammate, get grades and, uh, you know, not play right away? Or even eventually, like, you just got to keep working and see where you fall. And, you know, me being inexperienced, like, pretty self-confident, I was like, yeah, of course I can do that. You know, I can do that. I can do whatever you want. I can do whatever you want. Coach. Sounds you know, easy. Yeah. Have, yeah, I can definitely do that. Thinking, you know, I'd be able to come in and uh, still contribute and, you know, find a way. But, uh, you know, the biggest part of what that year was, which was actually the last time I was, you know, a part of a championship team, was, uh, you know, winning the Big Ten. And, you know, we had a few other walk-ons on the team, and our role was – basically to be a scout team and a practice team the whole year. And uh, I actually loved it. And then being on the, being on the uh, scout team, you know, getting to be the other team's best players and come off screens and shoot the ball and do all the stuff that you want to do that you may not have the opportunity to in most practices. Right. Right. What um, was really fun. And, you know, those were always the best parts of the day for me, other than uh, standing down there and we're getting ready to do a offensive execution drill and, you know, the scout team's on defense and you look up and see one of the managers punching 65 minutes on the clock and you're like, Oh my <laughs> gosh, I'm about to play defense for an hour straight. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, that's something that I don't know if, if uh, our listeners would understand necessarily, um, you know, depending on how the, uh, you, you were going through an opposing team's offense, if you're, if, if like you as a walk-on are representing, you know, a guy who puts up 20 shots a game for the other team and they run a play and you're coming off a screen, like you're expected to shoot that ball. Like whether or not Absolutely. you can make it, you know, the whole, I remember the years when, when like uh, Penn state had Taylor battle and there's a Taylor guy battle. who could shoot from anywhere on the inside half court. Like he has the green light to put the shot up. And so like, if, if one of you guys is simulating Taylor battle you have the green light from 30 feet. And so like, if oh, you're yeah. open, like shoot the ball because we're trying to simulate what he will do. And that those kind of days had to just be super fun to be able to get the total those green light. Are, those are the best. And we used to argue <laughs> over who, who uh, if you remember the really, really good player and shooter for uh, Minnesota, Blake Hoffarber. Yep. Yep. Uh, we used to argue he gets to be Blake. Yeah, Cause we knew that, <laughs> we knew he was coming down. He was launching. Yeah. And uh, so we'd take turns like, okay, like today's, you know, Drew gets to be Blake tomorrow. Stevie Loveless is Blake, whoever it happens to be. Um, but that, that actually helped me this year. And I mean, we get into something later, but you know, in the bubble, you only have a certain amount of players and a certain amount of people uh, who can be live, you know, in the pros, like you got people taking care of their bodies and making sure they're hundred percent for the games. And, you know, they were leading into the finals. Like I was Miami Heat's Duncan Robinson. Yeah. I was like, I can definitely, I'll do it. Like I've watched, I've watched a thousand hours with a film. I know exactly what he does. I know exactly how to emulate it. I was like, coach, I would love to be a part of this drill. 
like, yeah, absolutely. So all week long, Drew, you're, you're, you're Duncan Robinson. And I was like, okay. So like every walkthrough, every practice, every drill that we were working on, how we were going to cover him, it was, you know, I, I was, I was that guy representing him, obviously about seven inches shorter, eight inches shorter, <laughs> but the concepts were still the same of the way he, uh, you know, gets open, the way he moves without the ball, constant movement, though the HEOs they run for him, uh, his DHOs, his, you know, shot fake, his passing chase, his get game. Um, and, and that was easily my favorite part. Uh, you know, the hard part was piecing all the clips together and, and coming up with those edits, but uh, representing him in front of the team and being out there and be able to do that was really cool. Yeah, that's always a uh, that's always a highlight for uh, for game prep when you're uh, when we're going against those guys that kind of have the ultimate green light. And there's not a lot of those guys that uh, that we run into, especially at this level. I know there's obviously a lot more um, at your level, but you you referenced what coach told you in that in that practice you came and watched was was it clear cut that you wanted to try to play basketball somewhere or because you had excelled in other sports, was there other options to play other sports on the table? Yeah. I mean, that was a serious conversation I had to have with my family about, you know, you could go somewhere smaller, uh, get a a lot more playing time. Um, but ultimately I, I decided that, you know, as soon as I got the opportunity to be a part of the team, I jumped at it just because I knew deep down that, you know, playing for Purdue is where my heart was and it's what I wanted to do. And uh, I knew that, you know, the relationships and the, the, the memories that I would make there uh, would carry me throughout, uh, you know, my lifetime. And, and that's, that's ultimately how I started working with the Pacers after college. But uh, as far as like other sports, um, you know, I, we had some success at CC as a baseball program, too. And I really love playing that game as well. Um, and I had the same option to uh, walk on the baseball team at Purdue or basketball. And I just had to sit there and I thought about it for a while and I was like, well, would I rather do basketball workouts in the summer or hitting stations in the winter, you know, to get, to get better. And I was like, like, I, I love basketball. It's easily my favorite sport. So I, I just couldn't pass it up. Yeah. And it probably didn't hurt that at the time when you came in, as you said, we won a big 10 and oh yeah, the basketball we were, team. I, we had a, yeah. That was, that was some of my favorite memories. That team was amazing. Uh, all like, I love keeping in touch with those guys and, you know, still have a couple of different group chats with everybody. And then, um, you know, when I would travel to other cities where I knew guys would be, try and hit them up. Uh, you know, Keaton Grant down there in Florida, if he was just happened to be back in the off season when I was working for the Magic, we'd, we had dinner a few times with him and each one. And it was, it was those guys are so great. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing that I think that, and we've said this a lot on this podcast, especially that, you know, kind of how special our basketball family is and the fact that guys really do keep in touch. Um, but I think there's something a little bit on a different level when you win at a high level. You know, those teams always seem to really be cemented to each other in a different way than maybe some other teams. Um, just right. because you just go through that whole experience. And I mean, you know, for you to be able to come in and as a freshman experience that high, I mean, that had to be that had to, first of all, probably cement the fact to yourself that you made the right decision to come here and play basketball. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, that those teams early on at Purdue were so fun to be a part of. I mean, obviously winning is great, but, um, you know, the guys that were around you were also, you know, they wanted to play basketball. They loved the game. Uh, they wanted you know, to do whatever the team needed. They were unselfish. Uh, like all the things you want Purdue to be, 
and I actually remember uh, making a, a speech at DJ Bird's uh, wedding as his best man. I was like, Coach Paint, I know you're in the crowd somewhere. I uh, just want to thank you for recruiting all my best friends because <laughs> these are the people <laughs> I talk to every day now. And so, like, uh, you know, that's just a testament to him and to the program of, of the type of type of guys they bring in. Drew, you're talking about obviously your relationship you have with DJ. The fact that both both of you guys ended up getting into coaching. Of course, DJ was on our staff for a little bit, and now is a full time co- assistant coach at Mercer with Coach Gary. Was uh, was that something you guys talked about? I mean, I know you're close friends. Did you talk about that in college that that you thought maybe your career paths would take you into coaching when uh, when you got out into the real world? Um, it wasn't something that we talked about in college. It was mostly, you know, when the ball stops bouncing for you, uh, as a player, you're trying to figure out, um, you know, what's next. And for both of us, we, we still love the game. It's been one of the most consistent things in our entire lives and, uh, trying to find a way to stick in that in some capacity is it's a difficult beginning, but if you find a way and, you know, you work hard and you, you know, do what's expected of you and, you know, are, uh, are diligent at, at all the tasks that get thrown to you, then, you know, you find a way, uh, find a way to make it. And, you know, for me, um, I was lucky to get into an internship with the Pacers right after. And, you know, DJ wanted to keep playing for a couple more seasons. And so he got after it, you know, a few years later, but I actually remember when he decided that he wasn't going to play anymore. I was trying to see, uh, if we had just anything with, uh, the teams that I was on, as far as a, you know, a video internship or a player development spot or, you know, anything that, that could help. Cause you know, you got a, a six, five guy who loves basketball and he's intelligent and can communicate really well and can get some uh, quality work done. Like those are the type of people you want around. Um, and so I was super excited for him to land that spot at Purdue and um, obviously built, did a great job, built a relationship with coach Gary that, that turned into, you know, his first real full-time assistant coaching job. I, I hear you. You mentioned this a couple times already, Drew, about, um, you know, you participating actually in the practices and the walkthroughs. And you just alluded to the fact that, you know, DJ six foot five, right? So if he's, if he's on a staff, that, that sounds to me like you're saying he's, he's a guy also that, you know, can hop in and, and participate in practice. Is that normal at your level, at the NBA level, where uh, coaches, assistant coaches, guys on the staff have to, are regular members of practices as far as participating as uh, in a playing in a playing situation? It's it it, it is, um, and I, I've been with a few different teams, but you know ultimately under Coach Vogel's leadership, so um, he always tries to save his players' legs and uh, you know have his fresh bodies for you know the, when it matters and the ball tips at night, uh, and so like he'll do his walk walkthroughs and shoot arounds um, with you know, first unit, second unit, different rotations to make sure guys are, you know, with the same uh, unit that they would be on the floor with. And sometimes it's just cleaner and faster and easier if you have the same offense. Uh, You know, with guys, there's always injuries. There's always things that's going on. um, You know, some people can and can't participate. But, you know, every year whenever we're looking for an assistant video guy or an intern, you know, one of the first questions that, you know, the coaching staff asks is, you know, how tall are they? You know, how, did, where, did, did they did they play? Because, you know, we can always find someone who can learn the video stuff. Like, that's that's how I got into it. You know, I wasn't – I didn't go to school for it or anything like that. I had to pick it up on the job. Um, but they want 
uh, in my interview with Coach Vogel, they wanted basketball people that were passionate about the game. And you don't have time to teach them basketball, but you can pick up on the video stuff that can be taught to you. But they don't, you know, they don't have time to teach you the game. And so, yeah, you know, be, having uh, having guys that can help and participate are great. And uh, like even for us out here, some of my favorite times are during the year on an off day, quote unquote. Uh, you know, the guys that are out of the rotation always come in for their lifts and their, and their workouts. And they'll, we'll do a, you know, some on-court work. And then typically everybody wants to play because playing is the best way to stay in basketball shape. And so if we only have seven guys that are there, you know, me and one of our assistant coaches and our other video guy, we jump in and obviously guard each other and stay, stay out of the way as best we can. But <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's really fun and it's obviously great exercise for us too, but it helps build us, helps us build relationships with the players. And, um, you know, that's, it's definitely one of my favorite parts. So what, let me ask you this when, when you're, you know, you're here four years, you soak up as much basketball stuff as you can. And I think, you know, when you're around coach painter, that's, it's pretty, you, you, you have to be a doorknob not to, not to have that happen. Um, but you get through four years and I think you, you kind of alluded to it that, you know, I don't know if you necessarily thought, you know, for th- two or three years while you were here, hey, I want to coach or get into basketball or stay in this sport. But, I mean, when it was over, did you have a sense that, like, man, I was it more like I got to stay around sports or was it more like, man, I want to be a coach or was it just a, some uncertainty in terms of what you wanted to do post-college? Well, you know, both my parents were our coaches. Uh, my dad was my first coach growing up, and I learned a lot from him and, a, you know, a lot of – a lot of the uh, initial uh, basketball fundamentals and lessons were taught were taught by him, and he was phenomenal at it. And, you know, my mom coaches tennis and, and volleyball at all levels, um, and so like that's kind of always been in my family. That's um, it's something that it's something I grew up and it, I was used to. But when I got done playing, you know, I met with coach uh, just to talk about you know what what's out there because you know I, I all I'd ever wanted my whole life was to play, and then play at Purdue and that was over and so I was like what's next and I met with coach and it was only about a 10 minute meeting and you know I told him that I would love to try and stick in basketball in some capacity and he's like okay well I know a guy with the Pacers let me give him a call see how he's doing and you know I'll throw your name out there see if they got anything and it was Ryan Carr who was a yeah you know a college scout for them and so he gave me a call when the players are in the playoffs and uh, the Pacers were in the playoffs and I talked for about you know 20 minutes about my experience and what I'm looking to do and uh, he's like, okay, well, I'll give your name to our, you know, video guy and see what they got going. And that turned into an interview with Hanson Wong, who was their tenured, longtime head video guy, and that went well. And I met with Dan Burke, who's uh, a mentor of mine now, and you know, he looks a little scary when you first walk, first walk yeah. up to him. But he, <laughs> Dan's the man. He's, he's, he's the man. He like, is I love that awesome. Guy. Yeah, great dude. I've never heard anybody who doesn't have just great things to say about him and just love him. So he's, he's great and uh, met with him for a while and it was, um, it went really well. And, you know, coach Vogel happened to be around the corner. So I just popped in and talked to him for 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, it was basically like, Hey, we ha- we might have something we might not. We offered it to the guy who was your last year to come back again. Um, but, you know, just keep your phone on you and a few weeks go by and another few weeks go by and um, season's getting ready to approach. And I thought I did, wasn't going to get anything. And then I got a call that said, Hey, Job's yours if you want it, but training camp starts Monday, so you got to move to Indy <laughs> Saturday or Sunday, and uh, you know get it get it figured out right before we start. And I'm like, oh, 
okay. <laughs> yes, I'm in. Let's do it. And luckily, I was able to find a, a place down there to stay and uh, got right to it. And so it was, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty unique experience. That's for sure. You know, the sport professional sports teams can do that because people will like yourself will say yeah and just do it on the drop you know the drop of a hat and if you would have passed they would have made one or two phone calls and somebody else would have been right there immediately it's it's amazing absolutely yeah it's amazing i mean i i I had this conversation with somebody the other day i said i probably get um and i'm not exaggerating i probably get 50 emails a year from college students who say "I, i want your job one day what do i need to do and, you know, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, other than, you know, hey, I hate to say this, but you got to be a little lucky. I mean, you, you have to be yes. in the right place at the right time. You you know, you have to put yourself in position, you, and you can't be a doorknob. But you also – there's some timing involved, and you need to know the right person and have the right opportunity. And uh, yeah. it's Absolutely. like that, I think, in any field that's just – people want to work in it. Sports, they want to work at it. It's, they're working it, so – yeah, and I've had the same conversations with people who've wanted to get into the video room and they want to know what it's like. And, you know, I tell them all about it. And if they want to work in sports, uh, you know, the best advice I give them is you know, don't sit, don't ever say no to an opportunity right. that might get you where you want to go. Like, you know, some people say, oh, I want to work at the Division One level right, right out of college right away. Well, that's, that's a tough thing to do. You know, right. Some people want to work in the NBA right away. Well, you're not going to get hired and be the GM two years later. So, right. You know, it's a way, a way to get in the door is a way to get in the door, but try to, uh, whatever opportunity that is, you know, really consider it and think about taking it, uh, just so that way, you know, like, yeah, if you, if you can get in as a sports game day entertainment coordinator, well, that's how you get in. You, you kill it at that job. You make connections elsewhere and you say, well, you know what, this was great. I learned a lot but I would love to pivot into something more like this. And, and, you know, and you continue to work and move. Um, that is, and you just gotta, you just gotta go for it. That is exactly, exactly right. Rob, did you ever take a spot or where did you find yourself in a job that you're like, boy, I know I don't want this, but it's something you got, you got to do other, other than so your, other than your current job. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sitting here listening to you guys, I'm just smiling ear to ear because yes, in the broadcasting business, no different than exactly what you guys are talking about. Number one, it does require a little bit of luck. I mean, if you want to get to certainly the Division One level where, you know, where I'm at, where you're at, Elliot, in the high major level at that, there's going to be a little bit of luck involved. But, yes, it also means, as Drew was talking about, you know, you got to take some, some pretty crappy jobs early on to start working your way up the ladder. I mean, I, I was doing high school games at 25 bucks a game, you know, way back in the mid-'90s. Um, but that's just how it is, right? Um, now I'm at Purdue, and now I get 35 bucks a game. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, okay, they're giving you 35? Man, <laughs> yeah, right. I gotta call my agent. What but the? yes, I, but, but uh, yeah, exactly what you guys are talking about. It certainly hits home with me because that is 100% accurate, no doubt about that. Yeah, I uh, I worked for a uh, soccer team in Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana, Indianapolis Blaze, I think they were called. I did a little PR for them, and uh, nothing, nothing against soccer. It's I, I actually am a little bit more in soccer now, but uh, boy, didn't didn't uh, some nights I didn't feel like making it to the old stadium that night, but I did, <laughs> sucked it up and did it. So, 
Um, so, so, uh, so Drew, let me ask you, you take the job with the Pacers. Did you have a moment like early on? Because as you said, like you had to learn video pretty much overnight. And I can remember you yeah. like talking to Nick on our staff, like, Hey dude, how do I do this? Did you get, did you have a moment where you just sat back and thought, what have I done? I'm in over my head. I mean, of course. <laughs> if you if you walk into your first day of work and you don't have a little bit of a right. oh boy moment, yeah, then yeah. maybe you maybe you didn't go for something uh, you know quite challenging enough for you. So uh, I walked in and I was you know meeting everybody, coaches, whatever. I'm just trying to stay out of the way, like ask advice, see what I need to do, talk to. There's there's always good people at the Pacers, and so you know you ask some questions, stay out of the way, and um, you know. I remember going to the court for the first time for our guys' workouts. It's like, all right, Drew, stand in this corner with the ball, put a towel over your shoulder. If someone falls, you know, you be the first one out there, wipe it up, make sure it's good. Uh, <laughs> give us a thumbs up and we'll keep rolling. It's like, okay, go do that. Spring over there. Boom. Wipe it up. Everything's great. And then someone's, they just start arguing about the score like crazy as with every single pickup game ever played. <laughs> so there's a debate on the score. And so someone's like, Hey, Drew, come run the scoreboard. And I'm like, I've never ran a scoreboard before, but okay. Run over there. And I'm like, all right. So clicker on the left is shot clock. Clicker on the right is this. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Oh man. I'm like, it's not even on. How do I even turn the scoreboard on? So I'm like running around the gym, trying to find the switch. I'm like asking anybody that knows what's going on. And eventually, you know, I get it, keep everything moving, got the score going. And, uh, and that ended up being what I had to do every single practice all year long. Cause I ended up being pretty good at it. So, um, like that was great. And then as soon as it was over, it was like, okay, finish rebounding, clean up everything, wheel the balls back, turn all the towels into the equipment manager, make sure it's all clean, better than you left it or when you found it, right? Yeah. And then uh, I go back in and I'm like, okay, well, that was cool. What's next? I'm like, now you learn the video. And I was like, all right, so what do I got to do? And luckily, you know, Nick T, who's the man, he's a legend and he helped me out a little bit, kind of give me some of the terminology, some of the the ones and twos of a video, like just a brief skeleton. So I kind of knew what I was doing uh, with like a basic understanding walking in for day one, but having actually to do it's a whole nother thing. Right. Right. And so at the time the Pacers used Exos, which that's what you use at Purdue. And that's why I yep. uh, kind of got into, but they already knew going into the second year, they're going to change their software system to sports code. So I had to learn something brand new that I was going to have to forget the next year and then build a whole new one the next year. So per I was like, perfect. All right, well, <laughs> all right, let's go. And so we start going and the way that we coded was live. There was no like pausing of the game. Oh, wow. So what they did is they, they put a game in the DVD uh, rack, ran it to my computer. The game started and it was like, okay, all you have to do is, you know, change the possession, you know, offense is one, defense is two. And then these are like other hotkeys are make, miss, uh, made two, miss two, made three, made three. He's like, that's what you need to do for this game. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying and like, after you're done, you got to go back through and, and uh, make sure that all those, every single possession has uh, the correct information, the results. And that'll be dead. That'll be day one. I'm like, cool. One game. All right. I got this hit play. And I was messing up <laughs> left and right. And it took me by the time I got done with the first game, like, it took me about four hours, four and a half hours to actually complete uh, a, a game. And while it's a runtime of maybe two, maybe two hours. So they were, you know, the guys in the video were crushing me. They're like, oh, geez, this guy, 
he's not gonna be able to help us this year. Like just messing with me. Right. New guy. Uh, and so like, that's what I had to do. And I remember going in there, uh, the team, the Pacers like played in Singapore or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, that, that first year. So they were going to be gone for like two weeks. And I was like, okay, when they get back, I have to be good at this. And so I would go in, in the film room and just sit there and start working on the different hotkeys. Uh, you start to pick up little clues that are great. You know, that you, you, you memorize and you know, every single player in the NBA, what number they are. Yeah. Um, so you see, you know, you see number three, shoot the ball, you know exactly who that is. Uh, you learn to read the referees. Like, is that a two or is that a three? Well, you, did he put his hand up or did he not? Yeah. Uh, so it just helps you like little cues that help you. But the biggest one was when you could start to tell when somebody was about to turn the ball over. So that way, you know, <laughs> you're like, you can just feel it coming. And then, you know, to switch the possession to the other team and, you know, market transition and all these other things that eventually you get better at. So, and you're uh, doing, you know, you're doing all this so that the coaches, when they sit down, can just sort accordingly. Right. So they want to, they might right. say, Hey, I want to watch all makes by us in transition. I want all our yes. half court makes. I want all our half court misses. I yes. want all our turnovers. So, yes, and, and you know where those are, and you know how to sort them, and you can find them. Like, yeah. Um, eventually, eventually, that's how my relationship grew with Coach Bowl, and you got to anticipate what he's going to want the next the next day. Like, you can get a feel of what happened during the game. You can see what our halftime edit looked like, and you know, okay, going in tomorrow, he's definitely going to ask for all of our transition defense because it was it was really he's going to ask for all of our low mans. Uh, where we had an opportunity to step up and stop the ball, and we didn't. He's going to ask for our pick and roll defense because it was awful tonight. Yeah. And I can already just the way that I clip the game and, and tag it, uh, I, I can already sort those and, and have it ready for him. And uh, and and that I mean that's that's what helped helped me grow my relationship with him. Yeah, and you would you would do that same task they had you do in half the time now, and probably oh, in your sleep. And yeah, by the time I yeah, was a second year yeah, intern, yeah. I, I, I could clip again. If I didn't get it done in 40 minutes, I was, yeah. I was messing around. Like I was, you know, I could sit there and I'd be drinking a Dr. Pepper and eating popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. You know, knocking, knocking it out. So, know, so it's funny because like, I, don't, I think that's just work experience because I, I specifically remember a time when I was an intern in the Kansas sports information office and everybody was leaving the office on a Saturday to go to a bar and, and get some something to eat and, and hang out. And I thought, you know, I'll be there. I just got to write this cross-country press release that just recapped this cross-country meet. And, I mean, that thing took me an hour. And I get there, and everybody's already, like, finishing their food, and I'm like, golly. And, uh, and I yep. look back on that, I'm like, I could have done that now if somebody asked me to do something like that. I could do it at the bar on my phone in 10 no, minutes no. and like it took me an hour back there like what was i doing and it's just hey man that's youth and that's lack of experience and i totally relate to that story you just told about it having it it I takes mean, so absolutely. long and the the you know the learning curve that's half the battle like once you get into a new system and you kind of got your hot keys in place and you know what's expected of you and how the end product is supposed to look and the journey to get there you know every single game you do you get better at it, you get faster at it, you get better at it, you get faster at it. And yeah. you learn, you know, you learn it. And so like, you know, for me, like my intern years when I was clipping games, uh, I mean, I clipped games all the way up until I was even clipping our finals games this year, just due to lack of the, uh, you know, personnel allowed in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like all of it, all of it obviously helped me uh, throughout the journey, but you know, you clip 500 games a year, you, you get yeah. to watch a lot of basketball, yeah, you know what you know? <laughs> which is, which is really funny. Cause I remember thinking, uh, you know, I was a Craner major and, um, I would take a few business classes, whether it's accounting or 
macroeconomics and whatnot. And uh, I remember thinking, man, if I have to sit in a cubicle and stare at a computer all day and do this, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. and instead, I chose a profession in which I sat in a basement and I <laughs> stared at a computer all day long, but it just happened to be basketball. And it was really fun. And it was more like a video game for me. And it was it was great. And so, um, you know, the subject matter definitely helped. Well, and explain to our listeners, too, because in the NBA, um, you know, these positions aren't necessarily tied to a team. Some of them might be, but my guess is most often they're tied to a coach. And, you know, just yeah. like in most um, co- most uh, coaching positions at different levels, you know, a coach wants his guys around him. And so he's going to want, you know, his video guy, his strength conditioning guy his you know whatever it might be now it like i said it varies team to team and different level to level but in your case um you know you kind of and you just kind of referenced that you kind of got tied in with coach vogel um you know talk about life after the pacers and kind of what was next for you yeah so i finished my first season with the pacers we went to the eastern conference finals lost to lebron in the heat we eventually won we only lost in six games uh and then going into that next year paul george broke his leg and so, like, expectations weren't great, but, um, you know, still expect us to win and all these things. And it was it was really cool for me because I got to work with Paul um, while he was still in a boot and he couldn't move around or do anything. So uh, that was always fun, working with our trainers and, like, different things he can do, can't do. Uh, that's a, a phenomenal part of the job. And uh, so I went into a, a second year with the Pacers as an intern. Um, and we did find everything, you know, other than learning a whole new software, like everything went as it was supposed to. And then we, uh, we ended up losing at Memphis the very last game of the year. And if we won, we were going to be the eight seed and be in the playoffs. And if we lost, we were out. Yeah. I remember that. So we ended up, I think we lost by like six or something like that. Like, you know, whatever, who remembers those things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but we missed the playoffs barely. And I remember going to that off season, like, I don't know what's next, like two years as an intern, like, I'm not sure what to do. And, you know, they told me they were in the works for, uh, you know, trying to make my spot full time, but there's already three full-time video guys. Uh, and, you know, back in you know, seven years, eight years ago, it was not really a, a four person job. You know, it was, it's evolved over time as uh, roles evolve, but um, I ended up getting connected with uh, Chris Mullen, uh, who, was a former Pacers player and he contacted the front office when he took the job at St. John's as a head coach and was like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a graduate assistant. Do you have anybody who would be you know, willing to come out here and live in Queens and uh, go to grad school and, you know, help me out with my staff. And, uh, that found its way to me and called and have a conversation with him and assistant coach, Greg St. Jean and, um, ended up deciding that that seemed like a, a pretty unique and cool opportunity to go out there and work for them. And so I packed up my stuff and moved, <laughs> moved to Queens <laughs> and it's a, it's very different than West Lafayette. Um, you know, I, I used to, we, we'd work out with Molly and he was the man. He was, he was always so good to me. Um, but we'd do workouts as a staff together. We do little circuits and, uh, and then afterwards I would go for a run if, uh, you know, if, if the managers weren't playing pickup, but I would run around St. John's campus three times as my run. Whereas if I tried to run around Purdue's campus three times, I'd be lying in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. So right. It was, it was, you know, it was a, a little bit of a shot going from, from the Purdue campus to there. And that's a cool gym that let the, um, where it kind of sinks down in. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that's Karnasekka a is re- yeah, really Karnasekka unique, Hall. especially when it's rocking, it's rocking. Yeah. And, uh, and then obviously playing happier games at, uh, the garden was, you know, yeah. extremely cool as well. Yeah. So, um, so that's where I went, uh, that's next year. And I was actually going into my second year, um, of grad school, you know, everything's moving right, right along. And coach Bogle gets, you know, let go from the Pacers and hired from the magic. And he called me up and he actually, uh, I was playing pickup at Carnesecca and I looked at my phone. I had a missed call and a text that said, Hey, it's coach Frank. Give me a shout. And I'm sitting here thinking it's Frank Kendrick. And I'm like, oh, I'll call him back later. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to finish I'm going to finish this pickup and I'll call him back later. And so we, we, we finished playing for like another hour. And then I texted him back and I was like, coach Frank who? And he's like, Coach Frank Bogle. I was like, oh, this is way different. No offense oh. to Coach Kendrick. He's the man, but I've known him since his son, Emil, and I. Like, We played ball all growing up. So I thought he was just calling to catch up, or he had some AAU kid he wanted to tell me about for St. John's. Um, but then I was like, oh, it's Coach Vogel. Yeah, I should call him back. Yeah, let yeah. me do that. Yeah, let me get on so, that. So I called him, and you know, we just talked and caught up for a little bit, and then he told me that he had a special assistant to the head coach role with the Magic that he needed to fill but he wanted to fill it with someone who could do video and help in practice and be on the floor along all the things that I did with him and with the Pacers. So that way it was another way for him to sneak in another, another video guy to help with the, help with the video load. And I told him I need to think about it for a couple of days. And just like before, uh, he called me on like a went a Tuesday and offered me the job. And then he wanted to know by Friday because training, we had a team meal on Sunday and training camps or a media day was Monday or something like that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I call and I talked to Coach Payne about pretty much all my choices so far. So I called and talked to him and talked to my dad, talked to my mom, and decided that, you know, I got into this to get a full time job and uh, work in basketball. And I have one in my hand. And at the time, St. John's did not have a, uh, they had an interim AD. And so they didn't know what direction everything was going to go, who they were going to hire, what the budget was going to be, if they could bring me on full time the next year. Um, and so coach Mullen's like, man, it's the NBA. It's a guy you've worked for before you got to go for it. So I was like, you're right. Awesome. So, That's cool. That makes you feel, job. makes you feel good when a guy, you know, can separate himself and his, his needs and, and give you good advice like that. Definitely. And, and he was, he was great. And, um, so I packed up, I had a, I had a Kia Optima that I, I leased from, uh, if so facto, my parents had two. Like, I got a super cheap <laughs> deal on one. I was like, I my car blew up when I was an intern. Like, it was on fire on the side of the road. And I like, had to get a new one. So I had that all the way out there in Queens. And it just sat there. I didn't drive it anywhere because New York. Like, <laughs> what are you doing with a car in New York? I didn't know. <laughs> and so uh, I packed everything I had and uh, moved. It was you know, 17 hours from New York to Orlando. And drove all almost all the way to the Florida Georgia Line border. And crashed at a hotel. And. Um, woke up the next day, finished out the drive and got there for a team meal. And what was lucky for me is, you know, I knew coach Vogel and then they had Damo Rudis on the team and they had CJ Watson on the team, which were former Pacers. So I knew a few people right away and the, you know, they had a lot of great, a lot of great people working for them as well and made some friends there. And so I was with the magic for two seasons and then they brought in a new GM who wanted his own coach and um, like, you know, just like professional sports go, they, they made a change and I was part of the change. And I was lucky, uh, that one of the guys that I did, I helped with scouts throughout the year. Uh, his name is Chad Force here. He got on as a associate head coach with Memphis 
and was able to help push my resume to the head coach and had a phone interview and flew out to Memphis and uh, that went well and I got hired by them for the following season. Um, but you know that off season where you don't have a job and you're looking for a job is never fun. Yeah, I remember but a couple was, conversations was, we had during yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was really really lucky and I I was glad that like you know a head coach took a chance on me that I'd never even met but uh, until the interview and you know, it worked out well and so I was in Memphis uh, this past season. And, you know, we, we trade, made some trades. We ended up having a, a losing year. You know, we traded Mike Conley and Marcus soul and started to build, you know, build young, uh, going into that next year. Um, and they let go of our head coach. who was a first year head coach and told me that, Hey man, everybody liked you. They said you did a good job. Uh, we'd love to keep you around, but ultimately it's going to be that new head coach's decision, whether you keep you on or, or not. And I was like, Okay, great. Here Thank we go you. again. Yeah, appreciate the information. Thank you very much. Um, and luckily, while I was there, you know, I built a relationship with Jerry Stackhouse, um, who just accepted the Vanderbilt uh, head coaching job. And so during that time, where I didn't know what was going on, you know, Stack liked the work that I did and was like, you know, if you want to come be my video guy here and more or less do all the scouts with one of the other assistants and, um, you know, be a be an assistant coach that you know, can't be on the floor, but can do all the prep and help with everything, which I enjoy very much. And, uh, so I had a job in a hand and a question mark in another. And so I took the job and I moved from Memphis to Nashville and I was there for about two months, just got a place, uh, you know, just moved all my utilities over. I did, you know, all the moving things. And, uh, I was there for two months when coach Vogel got hired with the Lakers and called me and was like, Hey, <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, here, here we go again. Uh, what's up, coach? How are we doing? He's like, great, great, great. He's like, I'm not sure what I got going here, but I definitely, you're on a short list of people I want uh, to come to come out here to LA and help me. I said, all right, coach, sounds good. Just let me know. And so, you know, be open and upfront with Stack. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, like this happened. I, I'm happy here. I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I, you know, still appreciate the opportunity, whatever. And then, you know, about three, four weeks go by and they get down to hiring their video guys. And coach called me and he's like, Hey, I want you to fly out and interview. It'll be, you know, video player development behind the bench, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's great, but you got to be the one to call Stackhouse. I'm, I'm not calling, I'm not telling him that. <laughs> like, you're you're going to break it to stack from, and, uh, and so, you know, coach did and, and, uh, stack was the man. Like if you want to talk about someone who's supportive and like, telling you to go after what you want he's like obviously i'd love to keep you here as a reason i brought you on board but you know i get it it's the lakers you know they have championship aspirations you know it's the guy you worked for before he's like man just go for the interview you got to go for the interview get the experience and just see what you think he's like i'm not doing nothing with your spot until you tell me what you want to do oh that's awesome. Like, awesome that's awesome yeah so he was he was he was the man uh he, you know he still is we text every once in a while throughout the year just you know see how things are going catch up but um and so I go for the interview. Two days later, they call me and offer me the job, and I was like, "How do you turn that down?" So, right? Yeah. Um, you no. Know, so, oh, like you said, a lot of luck, a lot of different relationships, uh, and then a lot of supportive people that um, you know want to see you succeed. And so I've been very, very fortunate to you know be around great coaches and great people throughout my journey, and um, you know it's landed me where I am right now. Well, and you guys, um, you know, off to a great start everything's going great and then uh 
March rolls around and uh, COVID hits, and yeah, and uh, you know we all had we all have stories about you know we were in Indy, you can ready to play a Big Ten tournament game, and you know Rudy Gobert tests is test positive and basically sets off a chain reaction in the sporting world. Um, mm-hmm. And so you guys basically have to shut down with some uncertainty. Um, and obviously you're one of the teams that, hey, like we want to do this now. Um, you know, I, I would assume there are some other teams that were like, hey, we're good. You know, you want to stack it up right now, we're fine. And, you know, yeah, some yeah. of them ended mm-hmm. up doing mm-hmm. that. But you guys wanted mm-hmm. to go. Um, where, when did you start kind of hearing about the bubble idea? When, and then when it was a finally a go, you know, what were your your thoughts all about that? I mean, right, right. When, uh, the, you know, the shutdown happened, we were, we were playing some of our best basketball. We just, we had a huge weekend where we played, you know, two out of three nights, we played the Clippers and the Bucks and we won both games. So, you know, we're feeling great about the direction we're going. These are the other two, you know, top tier teams and uh, everybody's playing great our team's gelling everybody's meshing we had a great group of guys and uh, you know all of a sudden everything shuts down we don't know what's next and then obviously everybody went through the same thing of just waking up turn on the tv see what's going on and you don't really know so we did that for about two weeks of just kind of complete shutdown and then coach wanted to start continuing the basketball process keep your minds going you know like stay in stay in mid-season form as long as we can uh, until they tell us like we're done. Right. And so right. obviously that means, you know, my phone rings, my assistant, uh, John Pastoric, who's an extremely good video guy. Um, he was you know, a former player in college as well. And uh, all of a sudden coach has all these projects he, he wants and we're going to watch him and we're going to talk about them. So I went from like just mid middle of the year, you know, in a rhythm and a flow doing everything normal to how do we have a team film session when everybody's at, different locations with different service and different Wi-Fi's and all over the place. Like, how are we going to make this work? Yeah. So we went, we tested every single like, you know, cloud group uh, service imaginable to try and come up with a way to stream video and not have it be choppy and be able to pause, rewind, you know, and everybody to see what's going on. And obviously you can only do so much, um, but we found a way to make it work. And we had, um, we had a few weeks of, our, you know, Lakers talks, um, there are like two hours every Tuesday and Thursday of, you know, here's our base coverages on defense. Like here, should we change this? Can we tailor this more towards our second units to, you know, stop whatever. So like we had all of our, so <laughs> long story short, I was able to do all of my coaches retreat type work with video playbooks and defensive playbooks and all kinds of schemes during COVID, which was awesome. Um, and we did like a couple mock, uh, playoff preps where it's like, okay, if the season did start up next week and we play the Memphis Grizzlies, what's that look like? How do, how do we prepare as a staff? So, you know, coach did a great job of uh, continuing that uh, conversation for us. And, um, you know, it really helped me leading into the playoffs knowing, all right, well, this is what we did before and he loved it. So here's how we're going to attack it. And, uh, you know, between me and the other video guys and our advanced scout, Greg St. Jean, um, you know, throughout the playoffs, we were, it was a grind to get things done, but when they were like uh, the quality that was put out was, was awesome. And, uh, and it, I mean, obviously you have great players on the floor and everyone, they got to do their thing. But as far as the prep work that we could do, 
it was, I was really proud of what we did. So what went through your mind when they say, okay, game on, we're all going to Orlando. And did, well, I mean, right away you had a, I, I would think you had a sense of, look, we know we're really good. If we get all the way to the end, that's going to be a lot of days in the, bu- oh, in yeah. the quote unquote bubble. So, oh, yeah. so two, so two parts of this, your thought process leading up to that, like, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking of a million things, like how am I getting my rent paid while I'm there, all that stuff. Second, <laughs> yeah, the, uh... <laughs> second part of that is I want to know if you had a um, an oh boy moment, like when you get into your room in the bubble and you look around at those four walls and you say to yourself, like, well, this is it for the next X amount of days. Like there, that had to be completely surreal. So... Uh... First, answer your first question. The hardest part for me was how do you prepare for something that's never been done, right? Right, so right. We're, we're we're sitting there. We're thinking we're, like I'm reading the health codes. I'm reading what's allowed, what's not. Uh, I'm emailing. We had a, a group chat or a, a, an email chain with uh, all the head video coordinators in the league talking about what all what do we all need, you know? And, and a lot of the needs were like all the same with you know high powered Wi-Fi different types of video connectivity, you know, would they provide a camera for us in every gym? Cause there's, you know, eight different practice arenas and three main arenas. Uh, you know, will we be able to have access to uh, printing and all kinds of different things that, you know, our, our players and coaches are used to, you know, will the locker rooms have, have Wi-Fi so they can stream their video that they need to watch their scouts. Like, you know, leading all up to that. And that's just part of it. The other part is, how do I take care of our coaching staff and what do they need? So like, you know, everybody needs, you know, HDMIs and you know, all the different connectivities and dongles for their rooms. So that way they can sit in a normal chair and watch it on a big screen TV instead of, you know, off their laptop every single day if they wanted to do that. And no coach could do I, it on their own either. They're all uh, they're electronically. <laughs> they're all, they have the electronic IQ of your 92 year old grandfather. Which is great for me because that means job security. No question. <laughs> and so, you know, trying to trying to figure out what everybody's going to need, you got to have backups on backups. Like, you know, we had 17 players go, but we took 27 iPads in case they left them in the locker room or threw them in a the lake or Mickey Mouse stole one. I have no idea. <laughs> but something was going to happen where they would just grow legs and walk off and you needed to be able to, you know, end service on one and you know activate another one uh, right away without having to order it and wait a couple of days so. <laughs> and it's always Try. like this doesn't work anymore something it broke really yes. what'd you do to it? nothing i didn't yes. do anything <laughs> no, you, your, your keyboard doesn't type anymore okay why does it smell like jelly <laughs> hey it's great to know that it, the saying we've had this saying forever once a player always a player because like we'll have assistant coaches and they'll, something like that will happen, and I'm always like, man, once a player, always a, always a player. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I've learned a pretty good, you know, routine of troubleshooting, and it starts with plug it in. <laughs> <laughs> is is the computer dead? Did it run out of battery? No? Okay, great. Will, will it turn on at all? Yes or no? Okay, yes. Okay, can you get to a login screen? Yes or not? Like just it's a it's a step by step process and it's different for every situation. Drew, I, it tells me to hit any key. I can't find the any key. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so 
yeah, Drew, if this coaching thing doesn't work out for you, you can work at a help desk for IBM or something down the road. <laughs> that would be perfect hey, for you. Those guys have – I feel for all of those guys. Anybody who works <laughs> – especially when you're trying to do it over the phone and explain to somebody. It's a, it's a, it's a unique uh, experience and patience and get a few souls out of purgatory in some cases. So, so Bubble, like – Great, greatest time of your life. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, like your perspective on the bubble is going to be different. You know, correct. You guys emerge correct. world champions. So, correct. so the yeah, ultimate. Me, all but, worth it. Yeah, Perfect. everything was great. You know. Now um, let's say you would have got beat in the first round. Oof. I don't like. I don't want to talk about that one. I'm glad we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, one. yeah. So I mean, to to a team that went down there, and you know, did like get knocked off i mean that would they would you think they would consider that like the worst month or two of their life or uh i mean like you said everybody's uh, experience is different you know yeah the hardest part was for the player like this was our first time it felt like a giant aau tournament like the peach jam yeah where you know like you you see the same people like you're in the same hotels you know we you play a team up to seven games and you're in the elevator with them and you're standing in line to get tested with them and you're like uh, but like you know everybody's a pro and everybody's nice to each other and like you know it's it's very cordial and like all the coaches and every you know everybody knows each other through some some way or another so uh but like you still weren't allowed there are so many things you weren't allowed to do you know you you couldn't like cross that many paths with everybody and you weren't allowed in each other's rooms um you know you're only you can only take your mask off when you're eating in your team meal room otherwise you had to wear it all the time until you got back to your room yeah and uh you know you had the double nostril throat swab every single day you had to take your temperature and oximeter every single day and if you didn't they wouldn't let you go anywhere until it was like complete and check um wow so i mean it was it was definitely definitely a challenge and you know every day i was i I try to get a routine of when i would go so that way i would know it's done yeah if i skipped it i'd be like did i get tested today or that yesterday (laughs) wow yeah like what what day is it now i you know it's either a game day or practice day you don't know what the actual day number is yeah or what day of the week it is um so it was very challenging and you know it hats off to everybody on our staff that um went so long without seeing their family or friends or you know just literally waking up every single day and doing their job the best they can well and and Uh, and then also on top of that doing more and helping yeah more than you're expected to because we didn't have our full travel party and you know that meant carrying you know bags of equipment that meant helping like you know i was doing laundry with our video or with our equipment guy yeah because he needed some help (laughs) yeah yeah so like as soon as i got in there i was like all right is there wi-fi in the (laughs) in the batting cage that is now a a laundry facility yeah and so um you know it it was unique but like i I, it it is what it is and for the times that you know it, it got that we didn't have any cancellation of games due to, you know, positive tests. We didn't have any, uh, you know, it worked. So well, it's we, a, got, you know, we got in there, we got it done. It's a, mo- a marvel of the COVID world we're living in now that the NBA was was able to pull that off. And now, you know, you, you do kind of give us a little behind-the-scenes glimpse of why that was possible. You know, strict testing and everybody following the protocols and and them being extremely intelligent on how they went about it. And I remember, like, while they were planning it, thinking, like, man, what are they taking so long? Like, are they going to have a season or not? Well, now you see. I mean, a lot of thought went into this, a lot of money. Um, and oh, yeah. for it to go that that many games, days, um, put together a great product. You know, the finals were awesome to watch. The playoffs were awesome to watch. Um, 
was just you know couldn't have been pulled off any better and to do all that with zero positive tests in the bubble is truly amazing and, and what a cool thing for you to be part of and then you know that moment where that final horn goes off and you're part of world champs i mean i can only imagine the excitement to get that championship ring on your finger but that, we just got to be a thrill to be there and be part of that with your guys no it, it was i mean it, it watching the dodgers win you know, last night brought back all the the same emotions and feelings of everybody, you know, running around, you know, I'm just glad that no one had a camera on me because I was probably, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what I was doing, but um, it it was, you know, like we played so well that last game. It was, it was thing of beauty to watch uh, our guys execute the game plan and play as well as they did and play as hard as they did. And um, to finish out that game in that fashion, you know, you actually, you know, I was sitting there clipping the game like I had to do during the while I was in there, um, and I, I kept because if we would have lost, we'd have the game seven. So like, I can't just not have my part done. Right. You know, I would have loved to just sit there and watch the game, knowing we were going to win. But you know, even though we were winning by a you know decent margin throughout the game, I was like, okay, just in case, I got to stay up for this. I got to get it done because immediately, as soon as the game's over, I have to give the game that broken down file to all of the coaches so they can start their work for all of their players and all of their adjustments. Yeah. Um, and so like. I kept going until there was about two and a half minutes and I was like, okay, we're by 19. <laughs> I'm going to put my computer down and just <laughs> sit here and just watch. And, you know, I was looking at our bench, watching those guys celebrate, looking at the court and watching the, you know, those bench guys get in and, and have a few, you know, minutes of NBA finals uh, action, getting up and down and just observing our coaches. And then you know, the final horn went off and they shot the confetti. It was like, it was amazing. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to, uh, really hard to put into words um you know and coach vogel and all of our all the guys on staff you know lionel hollins and jason kidd and everybody from top to bottom you know it's that's what you do the job for and you know actually seeing it come true is uh extremely gratifying well in a legendary franchise with you know arguably one of the if not the greatest player to ever do it um that's just you know some more icing on the cake so so cool yeah. that uh, you get to be you know around and part of all that yep and uh, i i love it i love working for this organization and um you know just back when we could go into our office rolling into that practice facility every day and looking out seeing all the history and you know now knowing that we uh, accomplished the goal that we set out and you know to be a, a small a small part of that um it's, it's a really cool feeling awesome that's awesome yeah Along those line, along those lines, Drew, I'd love to know this. I'd love to ask you this. Living in, I don't know if you live in Los Angeles or Inglewood or, or Hollywood Hills. <laughs> I don't know where you live, but regardless, going around the Greater Los Angeles Metro, hanging out with be a restaurant or bar or coffee shop, and and for a conversation starter, someone asks you what you do, you say, "Yeah, I'm a coach for the Los Angeles Lakers." That has got to be one hell of a conversation starter, right there. I would think. Absolutely, and just so you know, I, I don't, I don't live in any, any of those places. So it's, he's up in Beverly okay. Hills, man, or Malibu, yeah. one uh, of the two. Yeah. Don't you have that seaside place in Malibu? Yeah, yeah, you can come, you can come stay at that place if you want. I don't, I don't know if the door will open for you. Eat. <laughs> um, no, it, it it is really cool when people ask, you know, and I always tell them, you know, tell them what I do, and you know, I'm a I'm a video coordinator. Uh, for the Lakers and like, Oh, okay. And they always think I'm, you know, the guy during games that's up there on the balcony, like turning the big <laughs> camera back and forth. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, you know, I'm, 
I'm more like an, an assistant to the assistant coaches and to the head coach. Are you the guy that runs oh, the kiss okay. cam? Are you run that yes, kiss cam? Every, literally, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, it, it is really it's pretty surreal to say, and um, you know, I'm obviously thankful and grateful for just to you know to be here, let alone uh, get to work with some really good people and some friends of mine. So that's awesome. Well, hey, I, I when when the when the final horn went off, you were the first guy I was sitting there thinking of and looking at, looking for on the court, and um, just couldn't be happier for you. Um, you and I have stayed in touch a lot over the years, and just nobody has um, grinded like you have. And I, I'm not a big fan of that word, but it, it's really a good descriptor. Um, you've just uh, stayed at it and stayed the course, and it was really, uh, really awesome to see it pay off with a with a championship run for you. And uh, you know, excited for. Uh, for the year you got coming up, you got a quick turnaround now. Um, <laughs> sounds yeah, like you guys you. are going to get back into it here in another uh, yeah. month and a half, maybe. So, uh, thanks, E. I appreciate that. <laughs> it means a lot. And uh, yes, I know. Like I, I told myself, I was going to enjoy it for a little bit. You know, I'm trying to come home, plan a trip home, see my family. I haven't seen them. Uh, I saw them briefly for like 36 hours after the All Star game in Chicago. Wow. Um, but I haven't seen them since February. So it's been almost, you know close to a calendar year away from everybody. So I want to get home and, you know, at least take 10 days to, to a week, you know, maybe a week to see everybody. And, um, you know, with the news that we might be starting up soon, that also means I've got quite a bit of, uh, I got to put a, toe, a tie a bow on this season and file away all of our, all of our, uh, games and, and, you know, put the season on the, on the cloud. So that way it's, you know, up there forever. Nobody understands the cloud <laughs> there. That's awesome. um, and then, you know, get to hiring some new, in, uh, some interns, you know, we might be bringing a few people back. You know, there's still so many questions about what next season could be, right. you know, when it's going to, when it's going to start, what it's going to look like, uh, will there be fans? Will there not be fans? You know, will, will we be able to, uh, have an operation like we did, uh, this year? Is our staff going to stay the same? Are people going to leave for better opportunity or more, you know, whatever the, whatever their, you know, situation is. So there's a lot of questions right now, but um, you know, I, I, I'm just enjoying the moment, and uh, I, I very much enjoy when my mom texts me and says it's 44 degrees here, there's frost on it or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I just got done playing tennis. It was amazing. I was like, that, so, that's awesome. That's uh, awesome. I haven't got haven't got to do that very much, so I'm I'm enjoying the uh, the little bit of a break we have before we start back up. Well, Drew, we end every podcast with a final four questions here, and they're kind of uh, off the beaten path um, questions. And so we want to get to that with you. We've taken up enough of your time already, so we'll get through these. Uh, the final four here with Drew Anthrop. Uh, first question here, Drew, is what is your go-to music of choice? Uh, go-to music of choice is country music. Specifically, lately, uh, Luke Combs just put out five new songs I've been jamming to every time I get in my car. So, so when you were in Memphis and Nashville, good, probably a little more difficult in L.A. Yes. <laughs> There's a, Memphis, like for live music, and oh. I could show you a great time there. Like Memphis Blues and every, like I knew where to go for all that. It was amazing. And then Nashville is easily my favorite part. Was yeah. Just walking across the street. I'd park my car in my apartment, walk across the street, and there'd be a live band playing. You just go oh, check it's... them out for an hour and it's the best hands down the best yeah, yeah i loved it fantastic so, yeah you're right about that <laughs> now la I, a little I get, different I, scene i get i get i get my uh i get plenty of uh new music uh brought to my ears in the locker room <laughs> and weight room and on the court every day so when i'm in the car i rock to what i rock to yeah there you go it's your time right mm-hmm. 
Uh, question two here on the final four. What is uh, your favorite all-time book or maybe a good book you've recently read? Um, favorite all-time book, uh, one that Dan Berg gave me. It's called Flyboys. It's about World War II. It's very cool. Mm, I've heard of that book. I've never read it, but uh, I don't very know if cool. anybody else has, sugge- has named that book, but I've definitely heard of that book. That's very cool. Yeah, that one, and uh, while I was in the bubble, I read The Alchemist as well, and that was obviously really good and quick read. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Did you get, was reading, did you have much time for that in the bubble or? Um, before I got in, brought into the big bubble, I was in, in Orlando, like 20 minutes away in our own little mini bubble, in which case I had more time cause I didn't have, I wasn't physically going to practices. Gotcha. Um, so I had a little bit more downtime there, but once I got in, it was pretty much work or sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're Most, mostly, mostly work. All hands on deck. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Question three here on the final four. If you could wave a wand and do any other profession starting tomorrow, what would that be? Uh, well, there's a guy. He was His job was dragging uh, the Hermosa Beach with a – it looked like one of those baseball drags, you know, but it was like a giant <laughs> tractor. And he was just rolling, combing out all the crap out of the beach, throwing it away. Looked, he looked extremely peaceful and loved his job. So I might, I might look into that one. Well, I think it's safe to say no one has said that answer yet, and I don't think anyone will say that answer again. But I love that answer. So just because he looked peaceful, got to be outdoors, that on the beach, that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stress-free. Like, roll up. Okay, tractor started. Good. Go. And and also, like, <laughs> like maybe the occasional, like, hey, I just drug a wedding ring. Cool. Like, Yeah, you never know what you might find. And, you know, there might be a couple good-looking ladies out there at the beach as well. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hey that that goes down as the most unique answer um, by far. We've had about eight or nine people say PJ golfer, um, but that that one is one of my favorites. That's 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 pretty good stuff there. There's something to be said for jobs where you can just show up and do your deal and have the peace of outdoors and nobody bothering you and just doing your own thing. So do your thing, go home. Yep. Yep. especially since what we do is the exact opposite of that. So. Right, and it doesn't go home with you. I've always envied people that, <laughs> man, you can go home and, like, you don't have to – you mean you leave your phone in the other room? What? Yeah, you're off the clock. I'm off the clock here. Throw it in the other room. Man, off Good. the clock will be awesome. When, I, when I'm when i 70 and I can get off the clock, that's going to be fantastic. All right. Oh, I can't, wait. I can't wait to have some conversations <laughs> with you when you're 70. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, oh, that podcast will be – That'll be much higher rated. We'll get it. We'll get juicy on that one. Mm. Okay, <laughs> last. We'll yeah, go. Right. <laughs> Four people listening. Uh, last question here on the final four with Drew Anthrop. What is a little known fact or something no one knows about you? Little known fact that some somebody doesn't know about me. Um, one that you know, typically like the one that I turned into the Lakers was that. Um, myself and my dad were part of the, um, like we're the first father son combination as players to win Big Ten championship. So that one, I've always loved that one. Man, but I think I think some people might know that. So some people um, know that, but I don't like that's not referenced very much at all. But that yeah, is, I think, I think, yeah. So I, um, there were a few people coming close, um, but I, I think there may be one more now. I'd have to double check. Who's the other? Who would the other one be? Grady or oh, Grady, yeah, um, Grady did it. 
And then, yeah, I was going to say Grady, yeah. Oh, Grady's here in the office. I can't wait to tell him he's number two and another, you know, we're yeah, good. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And then uh, I think probably the most unique one is that I went to the national finals in Washington, D.C. with my history project in eighth grade. Um, it was about letters from home from World War II that my my grandpa used to send some back to my grandma. So I had like all the first hand references you could need that checked all the boxes. Oh, wow. And and I worked with my aunt who has a master's in history and taught at CC for her entire life. Um, she just retired and now she works at Prophetstown and kind of doing some cool stuff. Well, how cool is that? So, and you talked about the book, uh, you big history guy? Yeah, yeah, my, uh, my roommate out here. He uh he comes and knocks on my door every once in a while because I'll be watching like Band of Brothers super loud. He's like, hey, bomb going off in here, <laughs> dude. Can you turn nineteen seventeen down? It's it's way too loud right now. That scene that scene is way too loud. Yeah, it says exactly what it is. That's awesome. Uh, oh, cool. So yeah, I won the local little competition, and then I won the state competition, and then that was my first time out in D.C. and or you know I was I think it was at the University of Maryland, so. Um, roaming all around out there with my my family drove out there for me and we i i don't know what place i ended up it wasn't good but um we were out there for the nationals and they always they did us in pairs of two and the other girl who went uh before me like i had a powerpoint and i like had my thing memorized and i was you know doing all that doing this whole thing uh with all these different references and i had some songs and music of the time in there and was, i thought it was pretty good but this girl in front of me she had like a history channel documentary quality uh, uh, about the battle of midway in which case she flew to japan to interview one of their soldiers to also get their side of the story and i'm sitting there thinking oh jeez i've got no shot do i even have to go or can i I still gotta go what an underachiever you were oh my goodness i didn't represent the state of Indiana as, as highly as I had hoped on that one. Wow, that's pretty but, impressive. But that, it was a really cool experience because it was something non-sport related that um, yeah has had some cool. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, I want to I want to thank you so much for taking time um, to catch up and to give us all this uh, this great stuff. Um, just uh, as I said earlier, just really happy for you. Um, we always uh, we always pay attention to you and watch your teams that you've been a part of. And it's always good to see you when you come back. I know you and your dad are back for our reunions every every other year, and uh, it's always always good to see you when that happens. And uh, best of luck uh, here on the startup and the restart for the the upcoming season. And congrats on the championship. Thanks, E. Thanks, Rob. Looking forward to the edited version where you make me sound good. <laughs> uh, I'll be sure to I'll Thanks, be sure Drew. to stream it. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right, that was Drew Anthrop here on episode 71 of the Boilerball Podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening, and until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well.